Hey, my name is Hendel Leva, and I am the host of the online show Immigration MIC, Moving Immigration Conversations. Every week, I put on my Beats headphones and create original interviews for everyone to enjoy. It's a great opportunity for young people directly or indirectly affected by today's immigration policies to have their voice heard in the conversation. Visit www.thehendelmediaproject.com to watch all the interviews and learn how you can get involved. Hello everyone and welcome back to another edition of Immigration MIC uh, live from sunny San Jose, California and today my guest is Alix. From Palo Alto, that's where you yes, are from. Palo Alto. Great. Um, so, this, you know, as I mentioned, this podcast is to have great conversations on immigration, um, to get to know you, to get to know your work. Um, I specifically, you know, chose to meet with you because I saw how passionate you were <laughs> on immigration. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, that's what I've been doing through this tour of California for the first time. So, I'm very happy that you're joining me today. Um, so to begin, you know, before I ask you about yourself, I have a very important question. It's probably one of the hardest questions I've asked any of my guests. What is your favorite J. Cole album? Oh my gosh, that new one. Huh? <laughs> the new one. The new one is your favorite. It's so good. It's literally flames. <laughs> now, I really like it. But like going back to the discography from the very beginning, you know, when like, uh, what is it? Um, it's not Lights Out. I, I can't remember. So, so through all the discography, the new one is your most favorite. Yes, Why is I that? think it is. I don't know. I just feel like he's so real. He uh-huh. and I, I really like when when artists. I feel like artists are losing what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't mean to throw shade on anyone or anything. Like Who are that. you throwing shade on? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> but uh, I feel like some artists are just making music just to fit in this new mm-hmm. music industry, and they're not focused on on writing good lyrics anymore mm-hmm. and i feel like j cole is just like he's so dope I, I, I don't even have words to explain how i feel his music is but i just feel he's so real mm-hmm. and i love that of him that's great i just feel like he's a genius yeah <laughs> no if i were an artist i would be I, I i would like to be like him right and so like for me like you know what's interesting is i think for my opinion of course like i think um j cole was at, was at his best with born center right oh um yeah. After that, I think Forest Hills Drive, I, I wasn't too much of a fan of because it, I felt like it was a little too creative, a little too pushing it and kind of like getting away from who he was. Um, then came the mixtape the mixtape that came after that. And then I was like, eh. But with this album, I was like, okay, like now we're getting back He's to back. like, th- back. there's a yeah. balance now. Yes. Um, so that was my uh, question <laughs> for you. I was like, why is he going to ask? Like, he's so dope. I he love is. him. I yes. just feel like he's one of the realest artists that we have in mm-hmm. this generation. And I, I really appreciate that kind that kind of vibe. Like, sure. it's not made up and not trying to impress anyone, but just doing art. Mm-hmm. He's enjoying doing art. And I think that's, that's just a wonderful thing. Great. Well, I'm glad to connect with a fellow J. Cole fan. <laughs> have you seen him live yet? No. Okay, you haven't. I have twice, I think. One day you will. Okay, so uh, to get into the actual interview, um, why don't you tell me a little bit about about yourself? Who is Alex? Okay, so my name is Alex Stick. I live in East Palo Alto, California. I really love California. I love the weather, I love the people, I love the culture. Mm -hmm. And I've been in the United States for six years now I okay. think um, and 
I don't know why, but I love to highlight this. Sure. Uh, I taught myself how to speak English, which has been like a crazy thing to me. It's been a little bit challenging, but we're getting there. Mm -hmm. I still like trying to figure some words out. But I just figure uh, you have like a California girl accent. Like that's what I thought. Do like, I do? Yeah. Oh I mean, I, I can't tell Thank that you. you taught yourself how to speak English, but okay. <laughs> I, I took I took like a couple of ESL courses and, and that's it. But when mm -hmm. I came to the United States, I didn't even know what I meant, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's one of the things that I love to embrace about myself that mm -hmm. uh, since I love this country so much, I knew that I have to do something about mm -hmm. it to, to be able to, to sure. live here and have a decent life. And um, right now I'm a nanny full time and uh, and I'm also working with nonprofits. Mm -hmm. I would say I like to say full time as well because sure. um, for me, that's that's my passion. That's what I love to do. I love helping people. I love being involved in the community and any kind of events that's going on. Whatever helps um, hu human race, uh, I'm down for it. And so in your bio, it says something like nonprofit innovator or something like that. Uh, yes, nonprofit visionary because visionary, okay. uh, I, I love, for me, it's uh, more than a job, more than then say, you know what, I love to be part of nonprofits for me. It's just my lifestyle, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm part of a couple of nonprofits that work uh, not only for kids, but also for human rights and other stuff. And I really love it because I think there is nothing else more important mm -hmm. in life than a great community, a great support system. And, mm -hmm. and I just love to be to do life with them and be able to, to share our visions and our dreams and, sure. and all of that. Great. And so, um, tell me a little bit about your backstory or your parents' backstory. Um, wh where are you from? I'm from Volato, uh, Sinaloa. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you have heard of it. You said Sinaloa? Sinaloa. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, Sinaloa is such a beautiful city. It's mm. such a beautiful state, I'm sorry. But uh, it has come to be like very dangerous uh, yeah. to a point that people have to move. And you know, with all these things, with a cartel and all those uh, drug issues that mm. we have in Mexico, but um, so you grew up in Sinaloa, correct? Yes. Can, you, can you tell me what's you know what were some of the favorite things about growing up there? I love Sinaloa because I feel people are so friendly. Mm -hmm. It's something that you don't get to see. I mean, Mex people in Mexico are really friendly, and I think people who live in the United States can see how festive people are right. and, uh, and I just love um, I just love the way I grew up feeling safe over there mm -hmm. and um, but it, it, you know everything changed but mm -hmm. I really love how people are over there and I really love that culture there and um, for me it was just like if it was a safe place I would be there mm -hmm. because everything about Mexico is full of culture story and I don't know I just love the the, the people from there it's okay. it's my favorite thing there. and the food the food There's of nothing course. There but the food <laughs> now is there is there any authentic food in California that comes close to like how authentic it is in Mexico because I'm not sure because I've just been oh eating enchiladas <laughs> like the whole time so like I, I don't know I don't no no, there is no, none. no okay no. I, it's like, you know, like there are tacos, there are enchiladas, and all of those things, but nothing come, come, comes close to right. the real thing. But I mean, kind of close, but not really. Okay. I don't, I don't want to lie about that. Sure. <laughs> um, so, uh, 
what um at what point um was the decision made for you know um you to come to the u.s or did you make that decision or how was that process so okay so the main reason why i moved to the united states i have visa mm-hmm. when i when i came to the united states um my dad passed away six seven years ago mm-hmm. and uh i was going to school at that time and it was really hard for me to go to school because I had a scholarship and I lost it all because I got depressed and all of those situations. And also, um, after losing your dad, who is like, uh, you feel like that's the person who protects you in, a, in such a dangerous city, uh, how are you going to be able to make a life if you, you don't feel like you can go to the store after 8 p.m.? You know, so one of the reasons that made me want to move was like, okay, uh, I'm not, I'm not doing anything with my life here, so it might be good for me just to move, maybe for a couple of months, maybe six months or, or a year, while well, I get back to be myself. Because after losing your dad, is just losing yourself, not not only your protection, you know. Well, I mean, so before we expand, like. Um is there anything specific you want to talk about like during that time about your mental health? Because that's one thing like we, I tend to like ask people like, you know. I can, <laughs> I can honestly say that I, I, I needed that. I needed, to, I needed to, to move from that environment because it was like just that transition of understanding uh, somebody's not there. So for me, it was like, no, I don't think I can stay here and fight that. Right. It, maybe other people would, would mm-hmm. want to face it, but it was not my case. So my mental health was, I, I had to be taking antidepressant pills for a long time, mm-hmm. which thank God I'm done with it. Sure. But it was just really bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, for myself, like um, I've said on this podcast before, for the past two years, I've dealt with major depressive disorder. I was put on anti-anxiety. Uh, I began seeing a therapist again. Um, thankfully, the last couple of months, I've snapped out of it. But mm-hmm. you know, it's everybody's process is different. So. Oh yeah, for me, it took me a long time. Mm-hmm. Actually, I can I can even tell you that for me to understand that he passed away, it took me at least one year. Yeah. It's it, it's uh, people might not understand that, but. Um, even that I had, I was in medication. I would sleep like 16 hours with no problem, mm-hmm. and uh, which I think is just insane that how even psychologists would put you in that place, right? Yeah. I mean, I understand that sometimes it's necessary, but uh, for me, it kind of slowed my process to understand that he wasn't that. There were times that something would happen, and I would try to call him because I didn't remember. Right. Mm. But I have come a long way to that, and I mean, it's still painful. Right, but uh, I, I, I don't have to be taking medicine anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's something because I, I made a decision of okay, you know what? Well, if you keep on living out of depression pills, like you're mm-hmm. not gonna go anywhere. So it, I have to make a decision, and I made it, and and I feel so much better, and. Um, and I feel ready to to make that process and, and uh, my story to, to use that for something sure. like that, you know? And um, what would what is it that you would like people to know about the immigration process regarding like the visa application and like, you know, how, how, was that difficult for you or was it easier? 
so when I I got my visa when I was 13 years old I think I'm not quite sure I don't remember the process I just remember that we were going somewhere and uh, we would like make lines for hours and whatever I don't I, I don't have like clear perspective how that process was it didn't seem difficult for my parents because my parents had business in Mexico and uh, that was a proof that they, they right. were not trying to move anywhere. So it was, uh, for me, it wasn't like difficult. I felt the difficult side now that I'm here, okay. you know, and um, I don't know, I, I truly don't understand the process to get the visa, mm. but I do understand what you cannot do when your visa is fired because I've been overstayed for for like a year now. Okay. My visa got expired. Like we've gotten to this point where like mm -hmm. this is a reality, right? Your visa is overstayed. Yeah. Um, but talk talk to me about first like did you come directly to California? No. So when I left first, I moved to Gainesville, Georgia. Georgia. Okay. For a year. For a year. And. Uh, <laughs> I had I had friends and family here in California, okay. but I wanted to be in Georgia because I had an aunt over there, and she invited us to be like, okay, you guys, it might be a good idea for you guys to to move with me for a couple of months mm -hmm. until you feel like for your sanity, just just right. maybe you want to come and maybe help us with our church, and then you guys can go back. But uh, that that day never came because mm. things got worse in Mexico and mm. it got more dangerous. And um, anything specific like around like your family or like where you live? Well, the thing is, uh, my dad was in great debt with with people over there, and uh, even though we we tried to pay it off after he passed away, <laughs> people. Uh, there is, it's so easy to harm people in Mexico. And it's, it's just the reality of things. Um, it's not that I'm ashamed to admit it at all because I think people need to understand like in Mexico, people will kill you easily. Right. And um, I feel like the government has a lot to do with it. And, and, and uh, it, it came to a point that I knew even though we tried to make things right, there was still something that could happen to us. Right, of course. You know? Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, you stayed in Gainesville, Georgia for how long? A year. One year. And then you decided to move out here to California? Yes, and I decided to move here to California and it has been amazing. I, I, I trust me, I truly love California awesome. more than anything else. Not only because I feel safe, but I love the culture. I feel like California has its own culture, mm -hmm. and I know that. So which part of the culture do you, do you uh... I think people in California are so open to get to know immigrants and mm. <laughs> they love to do life with immigrants. I love how okay. people love Mexican food, they love the Mexican culture, Latin culture mm -hmm. and I don't know, it's just to me, I might be wrong, but to me it's so much different than the South mm -hmm. and I love that. And what is it that you saw in the South though that like... If I'm honest with you... Be brutally honest. <laughs> That's what it's about. People, it's different. Mm -hmm. Without going into details, okay. they are too different. Uh, I feel like California people are more open to get to know culture. Okay. And they love immigrants. Mm -hmm. And I think I couldn't 
for me wasn't easy to open up about my status, my um, about who I am as a person, because I feel like the culture there didn't let me. Right. And California is the opposite. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how long ago did you say that you step out of uh, status? Uh, of my status? Yeah. So when I lost my visa, you mean? Yeah, when? Um, that was last year or August. In the August of last year. Okay. And so, um, yeah, I guess the question is, uh, what made you decide to not try to renew? Were you denied? Like, what is it that happened? Okay, so the thing is, with my visa, I've been, I've been paying taxes since I moved here because that's the right thing to do. And, and, and um, I've been paying taxes. I went to school. I worked. So try to have like the most normal life here, even though... Uh, I just got a visa mm -hmm. so it's like they do have they do have all the information they need mm -hmm. to not let me renew it basically because the the reality of my situation is I completely I know laws and I understand that I broke the law by saying longer than I should mm -hmm. so if I went to Mexico to renew it, it was like 99%. Right, they would be denied. They would deny it. So I had to make a decision of saying, okay, um, are you gonna leave or are you gonna, if you're gonna stay, you, you better be mentally ready for what is to come. And, and it's something that I thought many times because I was like, okay, if I, if I go back, I'm almost 100% sure that I'm not gonna be able to come back and I already have a life here. Yeah. You know, so it was very risky for me. So I was like, no, I decided to stay. Mm. Okay, interesting. And and you know, I think uh, U.S.-born Americans, you know, have family members who overstay and yeah. you know become mixed-status families, mm -hmm. and you know, this grows on to the um, it adds on to the 11 million that are undocumented. Yes. Um, but you know, people have to make very difficult decisions uh, like that because of safety security and uh, you know having built a life here you know and, and contributing you know yes um now before before i as you know go into this part this next part you know i do want to ask you like how did you become so fashionable oh <laughs> because because the thing is i i think like you know scrolling through your profile i'm like wow this girl like is on point with all her fashion oh, how do you get that I did. honestly I don't consider myself like a fashionable person uh -huh. is that how you say fashionable? fashionable yeah I don't the thing with me is um, this is just my perspective I don't believe in trends okay. to me it's like if I like something it doesn't matter how cheap it is and I'm all about budget and cheap sure. stuff and uh, if I like it and if it feels right, to me, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I think because I'm not concerned about looking like other girls, mm -hmm. maybe people it's different and they think it's fashionable. <laughs> I don't know, but I really appreciate uh, yeah, it. Sure. I, I just think it's part of, of part of my creativity, I, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's also part of my character because mm -hmm. I'm the kind of person who is not focused about who everybody is doing. Mm -hmm. I'm focused on what I'm doing. And if I like what I'm doing, it's, it's good. Okay. It projects, you know. And um, is this creativity something that 
you know, is recent? Have you always been creative as a person? I think I have always been creative, but I didn't appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I, I never like understood uh, what I could do with my creativity. And uh, I think it's something that it's been on the process of being involved with nonprofits and mm -hmm. being involved with the community. And I think I started thinking, hey, like being able to to understand uh, what a good color is, mm -hmm. it's creativity, right, right. you know, or being able to make great conversations with, with people is like creating something, you know? So I think it's something that I didn't appreciate, but now I am more aware of what I can do and I take advantage of it. Okay, are there any special talents you have, like uh, special sports or music or any, anything? I sing. It's okay, not like, a, I don't... <laughs> I sing at church, and okay. it's something that I feel really mm -hmm. glad to do. My dad was a pianist, and he was a singer too. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't do it as a profession, but uh, he he used to want to teach us all the time piano, and I could never learn. I think it's okay. just difficult. But I can't I, read notes can either, sing. so <laughs> I can sing, and um, I think that's my that's my special talent I could say sure and uh, yeah I, I love to sing I love to speak in public and mm -hmm. I don't know who that counts like a yeah of course well, it counts like a talent probably and uh, I think those are my my strengths mm -hmm. and, you know. okay and that does bring up because um, you know I did see so you're very into faith is that correct into what faith oh yes that's 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 my aim talk to me about that talk to me about um, the importance of the, the, the role that faith plays in your life. Um, I think that for myself, like, there's an element of faith, but it doesn't go very deep. So I'm very interested to hear uh, all about yours. Sure. So, okay, so uh, I grew up in a Christian home. Both of my parents, I, have, I, I can say I have the honor to grow up in such a, in such a great environment because I feel like more than religion, my parents always used to teach us about morals, mm -hmm. values, things that they are not often teach at home. Right, of course. So I think uh, that Christianity or faith had a lot to do with it because I think my parents wanted us to understand that more than please the world, mm -hmm. you gotta please God. And that's a huge thing. Uh, and it's something that I human rights right. and about helping each other mm -hmm. and, and I just it's, I just think it's wonderful oh, wow. and sure. it goes beyond our religion it goes beyond it goes beyond a system mm -hmm. it, it's, it's just a it's more about what Jesus came to this uh, to teach oh we gotta love each other like it's yourself you know right. and and I think it's it's been really helpful for me to believe that way and to have that base in my life and um, 
And now, so are you very active right now within your uh, faith community or? Yes, I, I really am. It's funny because, um, uh, so I went to Bible college in Mexico and, and I went to Bible college here mm -hmm. and I loved it. I, I mean, for me, it's like, I do have a degree in theology and, uh, and it's just amazing. It's something mm -hmm. that I always wanted to do That's as great. a career. But now that I understand more human rights and other things, it's so easy to combine it. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. um, it, it almost talks about the same thing, mm -hmm. and I'm coming to understand like uh, maybe it's been like a year that I can combine both things and create something wonderful. That's you great. Know? Yeah. And a lot of people come to me to attack me, and it, that's on a almost daily basis. Like if you are a theologist, why do you believe this way? And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, you can argue with whatever you want to argue, but you cannot argue with facts. Mm -hmm. And that's something I love about the Bible, and uh, I love to be able to combine those things: mm -hmm. theology and human rights. Mm -hmm. And what? Why do you say people have criticisms, or what are they their criticisms? You know, like it's it has happened to me whenever like I go to a protest because I'm also an activist. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I like to say more human rights advocate than yeah. than activist because I feel whenever you say activist, people think about you like being violent and, and, and disruptive and yeah yeah and I don't believe in that that's not mm -hmm. that's not my ethic I don't believe in in bashing on anybody or any party or mm -hmm. or <laughs> even the president I don't believe in that sure. I don't believe in doing that but I do believe uh, whatever you think it's right and it has something to do with human race and human rights, mm -hmm. you gotta be vocal about it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a powerful thing when you defend, you defend more than defend a party or more than defend uh, a system, you are defending who we are, our values, and, sure. and to see things from, to me, from a biblical perspective, mm -hmm. but also to see it like, oh, this is people, we're talking about people, we're not talking about items, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, okay. And a lot of well, people don't understand that they, they, they think like being an activist is like oh, or something like oh you are so violent or you are so no I don't yeah. I don't consider myself any of those things. I think on Long Island like one of the most powerful coalitions that exists is from the faith community. And, oh yeah. And you know you have um you know shout out to the Unitarians for always uh, inviting me to come speak at their um it's not churches it's. I can't remember the name, Houses of Worship, I can't remember. Um, you know, of course, like Catholics, Christians, Muslims, like all stand together uh, in human rights. So um, it's definitely something I'm familiar with. And, you know, there is definitely power in uh, faith. So I'm glad to hear you uh, talking to me about it, you know. Um, so what do you think is the biggest difference between, like, being a human rights advocate and then having to advocate for yourself? What are the difference? Yeah. I think they are the same thing. Okay. I think to me, uh, fighting for my human rights mm -hmm. and everything else, it just combines. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, to me, I just see it as the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I think for me to be vocal about the things that are not allowing me to create a life here, mm -hmm. it's just all about that, you okay. know? Sure. And so, what was your introduction into like the immigrant rights movement? So, okay, so, uh, because it wasn't like that... Oh, look at my shirt. I want to show my shirt. Oh, there you go. I love my shirt. <laughs> you can get it on the comedia. <laughs> well, oh, okay, so... 
uh, ELS started, so I always been like, I always love to support my community and, and to get in, informed about what, what was going on. But it was until last year when uh, we had issues with my brother. I have a younger brother who is 18 right now. Um, without going, he's in Mexico now. He he he's, he had to leave, but um, it was until last year that I felt that necessity of doing something about it because my brother got in trouble at school. He's a good kid, but he wasn't in the right place. It was also his fault for some stuff, but he got he got blamed for something he didn't do. And there is a video and there is all the proof that he was innocent. But the way that the way the the school and the principal and everybody else reacted to it made me realize that okay, this is discrimination. This is this is something wrong about all this process. And I think since that moment everything changed about myself and and it's something that I want to say I'm very vocal about this but I have to go to the doctor like every week because I was having panic attacks because after I saw the way they treated my brother it was a wake-up call for me like okay the, the problem is they are not there are so many kids going through the same my brother is and the sad part is like uh, that I have to go through something so hard and so difficult that took me to the hospital to understand that my voice is worth hearing, you know? So I noticed how unbalanced it was for my body to be in a situation like that. Nobody would defend him, nobody would give a, nobody would try to, to understand his part. But since it was easier for him because he's, He's, he's a Hispanic person who doesn't have like uh, status here. So it was like, okay, we'll just blame it on him. That's how I felt. So I was like, this is not, I gotta do something about it. And I mean, if I'm gonna do something about it, I wanted to do it like, I don't ever wanna advocate for something I don't believe just because they did something against my family, but something that is very, very part of me, who is my people. You know, so I feel like it's been like uh, maybe longer than a year that I started getting more involved with nonprofits and with protests and, and getting informed, which is the most important thing you can do at this time. And that's it, it was that, that experience like completely changed my life in a negative way because I have to. I have to be going to therapy because I would get like panic attacks at night thinking that, oh my God, this happened to my little brother. I could be next. And, and it was like, that anxiety didn't even let me sleep for so long. Although I was like, no, I, you can do something about it. Your voice uh, is not, nothing else but just trying to defend your rights as a human. And, and I think everybody should be vocal about it. And I wish I did sooner, but I didn't. And be, because of the same, for the same uh, fear of being judged, and I'm ready for it. It's like people will judge me because I'm a theologist and I'm doing this too. And for me, it's like I don't, I could care less. I, I know what I believe, and I love what God would think if I do it. So I just went for it. And it's been difficult. It's been, it's been a hard journey. Not everybody's supporting that. And I honestly don't care. I understand my convictions, and my convictions are stronger than, 
than any judgmental opinion, you know? Totally, and so you have your your own personal story, right? Then you have your father's story, and you're using both to like now and you're using your faith to yeah. Yeah, it was like I think for me it was like I, you have to. How are you gonna combine that? It was like people are not gonna understand, and it's been so many times that people have told me, "Well, doing protests is so pointless," and that they have told to me like, I I think that pain that I had maybe be like it's okay. I respect your opinion, but I know everything we're doing is changing that whole story and I'm glad that I'm part of it even though people don't understand I could care less that's, right. that's the honest truth that's great and so um, talk to me a little bit about the nonprofit work you've actually been uh, involved with you know what are some of the you know great things that you've been able to do so I work for a couple of years for my community in, in East Palo Alto for this nonprofit called Nuestra Casa I'm not part of them anymore but uh, I was able to, to to help with programs with healthcare and other kind of programs for the community, and and I was able to work and connect and network with with that kind of issues that we were having and try to find a solution for it. And um, so I worked for them. I'm also part of uh, Compassion. It's a I I have three kids, three sponsored kids in Mexico, which is like. It's my biggest dream to go see them. Uh, um, one of my best friends has a number of things called Operation Cover, and we help homeless people not only to take blankets and sometimes breakfast and things like that, but to actually connect with them and get to know their their possibilities for for the future. Like saying, okay, well, there's a shelter over here. We can help you and to help them with the process and to create actually like a relationship with them. I've been doing that for two years now, and also with Anduku Media. I've been. Uh, Ivan Seha is like a family to me. He's a very good friend. Uh, he's my, my good, good friend. Um, and I have so much to thank him because I think he's been one of the people. I think he's been the person who, who encouraged me to be like so vocal about these issues more than anybody else. He, he was like, I believe in your vision. I believe in what you can do. So he invited me to to sometimes be part of what they do, and he has taught me so much. Him and, and the whole and the whole team, and uh, I think on the committee, it's not only has not only changed my life, but also uh, has been part of this whole thing going on in our generation. And I'm just so happy to be part of it, and and that we can we can fight together for the same. We, we all have the same dream. And we all have the same desires, and. I think that's a powerful thing, you know? It's great, and you know, I'm happy to hear that, um, you know, that uh, Ivan has been such an instrumental part mm. of your journey. Um, it yeah. reminds me of myself with um, Eliana Fernandez from Long Island, who um, is a DACA recipient, who I randomly met through my work, and um, but through working together, like, she's become one of the most powerful leaders we have on Long Island, and has gone on to um, sit next to Senator Schumer and, like, 
criticize Senator Schumer afterwards, but, you know, um, and then be in every single major publication across the nation, but coming from a place where she was hesitant to share her story. Yeah. So, in that sense, you know, I'm glad that there's sort of a parallel relationship, you know, with Ivan, and, you know, I think it's great um, when people are able to find mentors. And, uh, yeah, I think more than anything, it's like, um, just the fact that somebody believed in my story and the, the power of my story and the power of my voice, he was like, he was like, I do believe what you're doing. I do believe that that you could bring something good out of this moment. So he wouldn't. It, it, the thing is, he doesn't. He doesn't only do it because I'm his friend, but he would do it to anybody else. And I think. Um, for me and my perspective, not only as a nonprofit visionary, but as a human, uh, my desire is to see our generation come to this, to this new culture, because I think Ondokumiria has a lot to do with it. it. Well, this is my perspective, and it's not only because it's them, but uh, it has a lot to do with teaching our people, hey, we all together united, we can do great things. We're changing things in the Congress, we're changing things in our Latin community and we're inviting everybody, we're inclusive for everybody and that's that's what I'm more passionate about to see that culture, whatever happens in the future which I'm very positive about it but whatever happens I know my community has my back you know and I think that's the, the most powerful thing that we could do and also like I, I saw that you've been to DC correct? yes you've been to DC and you've I, been a part of Talk to me about what's that been like. I went to Washington DC last year. I went uh, as a part of Undukumedia and uh, we were there for a couple of days and I was able, I think going to Washington turned my life around. Like it was like, wow. The, I mean, I knew about uh, this whole process with DACA and the Dreamers and it was always like painful to me to see that. but go there and being able to talk to them to record their stories and to hear them it was like wow it was mind-blowing like it, the pain that you have like all of these people 8,000 people like are going through the same thing you know and, and every week we're losing so many so many people who were um, DACA recipients so it was like for me it was like eye-opening like you know what and to see that negative side for me it got me depressed for a couple of days it got me like really depressed to see my people suffering but from the positive side i saw that these kids are wild and i think it's they're my kids obviously they're my age too but these people are well in the best way possible this is like a new generation of leaders like rising for something so good to say it and the best part of what I saw is that there were so many allies that they didn't have the necessity to be there and they were there saying hey we do believe in what you're doing we do believe that you deserve to stay here and that's why I'm here. That that's why it was so mind blowing because there have been so so many times in my head that I would think, oh, I shouldn't be here. It's something so bad that you are here undocumented, and going there and see that people understand that you that is your human right to fight for that. It was just amazing to me, and I'm really grateful with Undocumedia that they allow me to be part of it, and they they allow me to to see how these kids were we're doing great things and it's just like 
I don't know, it was negative and, and very positive and, and that made me realize that I'm doing the right thing and that, that whatever happens, I know they are with me and they are in my team. And you know, that I think that's the most powerful thing about this whole movement that uh, we do love each other even though we, we don't even know our stories, we know that we have the same desires. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you've found community and that you've mm -hmm. found, you know, people to lean on and rely on. Um, you know, it sounds like beyond the general scope of the political moment, it sounds like there's there's hardships, personal hardships that, you know, you continually are going through, but you're finding people to lean on, so that's, yeah. that's great. Um, so, with about 15 minutes left, um, there's a couple of things I want to get to. Um, so, you said that you weren't... Well, you're not a big fan of like, I guess like going at the president directly, right? Yeah. I mean, yourself. Yes. Um, what is your perspective on the current political moment, I guess like since the 2016 election? Like what's your personal perspective on this? My personal perspective is, I always try not, to me, well, I think it's very obvious that I'm not agree with what's going on and that makes me sad and makes me depressed. I think my perspective is there is a movement of so much hate and so much so much discrimination and um, that I think it's not only about saying I'm not part of this but you have to be against that and I mean it in the best way because for me to be against hate is something good. I don't need to be violent about it. I don't need to bash on anyone to, to feel like I'm doing something. But I am against everything that has to do with discrimination and whatever abolish human race, I'm out, you know? And uh, I'm not agree with what's going on and uh, I'm not happy about it. I think they are not inclusive of, of everybody and I truly don't have nothing positive to to say what I've I've been seeing and it's just very sad to me. I never expect that. I didn't. I never saw that coming. If I'm honest with you. What would you say for people who also do not necessarily believe in like being violent or like being aggressive, um, but still want to be a part of the, a part of this type of work, but feel kind of discouraged by like what they see in terms of like protests and like aggressiveness? I think you can you can be part of protests because I've been in, in the multiple protests and and I've been even inside of the capital with the doors to cover. For me it was just like and I also there was a time I remember when the police came and we had to pretty much run. I was walking. I was walking that it, it's a decision that I made uh, everybody was running and I understand why but I started walking because I, I, I was I got really afraid because we were like in the sixth floor or I don't remember what floor it was so I was like by the time I'm, I'm, I'm able to go out I might they might arrest me that was in Washington and then I started thinking to myself and if they arrest you what would that be because you're advocating for your human rights <laughs> that's what I thought and and if you that's good enough for them to take you to jail they must be good for somebody else to take me out that's what I thought so it's like um, I think people who who don't want to be negative 
against the president or or whatever is going on they can also be part of it because we're defending something that is that it's so real we're talking about real stories we're talking about real people we're not talking about a cop yeah like to, to just to say like i people think people i feel like people sometimes feel like we're talking about items no we're talking about people and most of them they have kids they have real jobs they are teachers like i was reading the other day uh we have two thousand teachers who are daca recipients two thousand wow two thousand like that is that blew my mind like uh, i mean this country needs amazing teachers and i can tell you because i i have met them uh, i have met teachers who are daca recipients who are like doing an amazing job they're, they're so passionate about their job so we're talking about real stuff you know and i think you you are able to do it with without violence without without bad words without you know and doing anything bad and and i encourage people who who feel like oh if i'm part of this that's gonna make me a bad person not at all this is about human race you know what is your vision for yourself in the future like in the next five years and then okay this is like a tricky question because at this point this is a very honest answer i truly don't know i'm very positive about what i'm creating which i'm trying to create my own nonprofit and, and I'm working on it really hard you want your own okay. yes I want my own nonprofit I think it's time it's about time sure. and um, but I just wanted to do something that I waited for myself to grow to a point that I wasn't gonna do it for money or anything else but like very genuine work and I think I'm ready for it I, I could have done it before but I, I, I wanted myself to be ready to be completely transparent and completely honest about my intentions with people and uh, I'm creating that and um, I hopefully in five years I'm going to be able to uh, fingers crossed and prayer sent <laughs> uh, with that clean dream act I'm, I'm hoping for that clean dream act and, and and not only for me but for my people too I, and I believe it could that Congress is gonna is gonna is gonna pass that bill and and I'm just hoping for the best. And if you're not, I'm still positive about it because I know I have the best support system in the world. So either way, I'm gonna be fine. Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear um, how positive you are. Um, you know, I, I just, I see it. And um, so final question. So for other people who may not be as positive and you know, are going through their own hard times, um, what words of motivation and inspiration would you send out I think the best thing that I can tell people is whatever happens in the future or whatever, like, I went through that process, right? I went, and I still go through, through, through those days where I'm like, whoa, I mean, I'm the most positive person I know, and I still go through hard days. But I, this is something that I can assure you that you have a community full of people who love you even if they don't know you and even if they don't know your story anything for you and I've seen it it's, it's the crazy part I think how our community of, of Latins and allies are there for you if somebody if ice comes to their place we're gonna defend them like it's nobody's business and I want people to understand this is a hard hard very hard uh, season for everybody 
but you, we have your back. We have each other's back. And, and I think uh, knowing that will change your life. And understanding that, that we care for you, that we're all connected, is just a powerful thing. Great. Well, I hope that, um, you know, to see your continued growth, um, I'm excited because you are so passionate, you are so positive. Um, again, this is why I reached out to you, so I'm very happy that we got a chance to connect in person. Because some conversations, I feel, we could have had them through Skype, but like some conversations, like, I they have to be in person. Yes. In person. Um, and I hope that we're able to collaborate in the future and just know yes, that we have someone else uh, be here in your corner now, uh, all the way from Long Island. And I look forward to connecting people who need to hear your message. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's like, I feel really honored to be able to to talk about this and, and to know that there is more people in, in our team. Sure. All right. Thank you. <laughs>